Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 40 of Power Up in Game. I'm your host, Michael, and I am joined once again, like always, with my co-host and the main showrunner of this show, Taylor. Taylor, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, man. We made it to episode number 40. I yeah. am surprised. Like, we've had so many reboots, though, with this gaming news podcast, though. But I mean, technically, Yeah, technically we're, like, at 100. We're in the hundreds, probably two hundreds, if we're being honest, in total episodes done across our many reboots. But I'm very excited. We got to number 40. Can't wait till we get to 50 and to number 100 of Power Up and Game. It's been a great ride so far, and we're going to have some... Very interesting things to talk about here today, man. Oh, man. But let's check out what's on the docket for today. We'll talk about the future of the Halo franchise. We'll also take a moment of silence for Marvel's Avengers. And as for our main topic, well, for that, Taylor, how about you take it away? Don't mind if I do, Michael. And real quick, we want to say that you can find sources for all the topics we're going over today down in the description of this episode. We do that to give out proper credit, and if any listeners want to read further about the topics we cover, or simply want to check it out for themselves. Now, getting into our main topic today, the Xbox and Bethesda Developer Direct Recap. Say that five times fast. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Developer Direct. This showcase featured five games and was about 45 minutes long. Do you want to get into our general thoughts now, or would you rather recap everything one by one and talk about overall thoughts when we're done? I kind of prefer the latter option. Uh, to be honest, me too, because there was only five games. I, I agree with you 100%. So let's go ahead and get into the first game that was shown off, and that was Minecraft Legends. So Mo Yang Studios, which I finally figured out how to pronounce that developer. Uh, I've been pronouncing it wrong the entire time. They kicked off the Xbox Bethesda Developer Direct with a look at Minecraft Legends, a multiplayer action strategy game that contains a co-op story mode and a PvP mode where the goal is to conquer the enemy team's main base. Minecraft Legends is releasing on April 18th, 2023, and it will be dropping on Xbox Game Pass. Michael, before I turn it over to you, I will say... I cannot believe I'm excited for a Minecraft game. I've never been a fan of this franchise. Never been able to fully get into the Minecraft community. Never been able to really get engrossed into this game. But there was something about watching... I'm a fan of like Halo Wars. And there was something about this that kind of reminded me of Halo Wars. In a, I guess, more action-oriented way. Which is weird to say about a Minecraft game. What were your thoughts on this? I'm actually with you on that. I've never really been a huge fan of Minecraft. I played it, and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool, but I'm not creative enough to actually, like, take the time to learn all the mechanics, which surprisingly is a deep mechanic in there. But this, seeing this, I was like, geez, I actually kind of want to play this. Uh, Yeah, I I can see where you get the uh, Halo Wars uh, comparison, because, yeah, Halo first started off as an RTS. uh, Fun fact for those who have not been that deep into Halo. It actually started off as an RTS at Bungie before it got turned into an uh, FPS. And when they went back and actually made it into an RTS, it was surprisingly good, especially since it was it worked surprisingly well on the Xbox. Because uh, anybody who doesn't play real-time strategy games, it's very difficult to translate what you do with the mouse and key for real-time strategies to uh, 
controller pad. It's just there's something about it just doesn't feel right. But Halo Wars pulled it off. And with this, I'm like, man, you know, I'm I'm, I'm digging this. I'm digging the idea of Minecraft uh, doing different genres. Um, I played their dungeon crawler, which was okay. Like, okay. I played it for like a couple hours and like never picked it back up because it was just it was just decent. Uh, but for this, I, I think it'd be kind of cool to to experiment a little bit to try it out because um, I am a fan of uh, Sid Meier's Civilization. And this, while this isn't civilization, I like the whole resources and building defense towers and having different units and building armies. I'm, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Um, oddly enough, I never got into Total War for some reason. But I am actually kind of interested in seeing Minecraft spin on this. Yeah, it seems like they're doing a lot of the same things that the most popular games are doing with it in that genre. But they're also... I don't know... If, we don't know fully what they're doing here. Like, I, I don't know. We saw a little bit of clip. Both of us haven't really been into this franchise. So I think outside looking in, it does feel like they're putting their own little spin on it. So that's cool. The thing is, uh, my nephew, um, my mm-hmm. second oldest nephew, uh, he is pretty big into Minecraft. He likes Minecraft. Uh, I've watched him play it. I've watched him watch YouTube videos of it. I've seen a few Minecraft YouTubers about it. And the stuff that they do in that game, I will admit, was ridiculous. They built their own adventures within Minecraft. Uh, they did their own RPG deal in Minecraft uh, to where you did have you and a buddy who would just like role play as uh, like a mage and a warrior or something. And they'll just go out and there's actually like monsters and stuff you can fight. So I think it does fit in the world of Minecraft. Uh, and, and that's what I mean by when I say that. They're doing something different, but they're also keeping it very Minecraft. It doesn't feel like it's deviating for from the spirits of Minecraft. Uh, for someone who has seen it, watched my nephew play it, uh, tried it a little bit myself, couldn't get into it, and watched a few uh, Minecraft YouTubers because of said nephew, I think that's why I'm like, in, um, I'm kind of digging this because it does feel like Minecraft, only it's more like an official kind of thing. Kind of like Dota, when instead of like a, a mod from the community, it actually felt like a real thing from the developers. I know it sounds kind of strange, but I, I think that's kind of what gets me uh, to digging this to where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, it's not just something YouTubers do around and like I have to try and build myself. It's already there. It's built for somebody like me who's kind of interested, but doesn't want to go through all the mechanics to get everything working. I 100% agree. It kind of feels like this is a game where like people who aren't really invested into this franchise can kind of just peek in and be like, all right, so what is, what's all the popularity about? Like, what do people really like about this franchise? I don't think you're going to get the full like Minecraft experience by playing Legends here, but it kind of feels like a nice, especially for people who are into these strategy games, to give it a shot, see if that it actually does something different and fun with the genre. And I'm just hoping for a really good time. And it's going to be on Game Pass. If this was like something to buy, I'm not sure I would do it. But for it to be on Game Pass, come April, I'm definitely playing this game. But next up is Turn 10 Studios, which is showing off the next Forza Motorsports. Creative director Chris Asaki even called it the most technically advanced racing game ever made. Now, sometimes I think 
developers and publishers, whenever they say this is the most something or this is the best something, they're kind of just embellishing a bit. I gotta say, I kind of agree with them. Uh, this game looks amazing. I can't wait to uh, talk about it more. Even though Forza, we've talked about many times before, it's Forza. Like, it just is what it <laughs> yeah. is, for better or worse. But at launch, Forza Motorsport will feature over 500 cars, including over 100 new cars. Furthermore, the team went over the technical advancements, including both from a visual and audio standpoint, that were made heading into the upcoming title. Forza Motorsport is set to launch in 2023. I kind of already shared my thoughts on this. Like, it's not something I'm really excited about. But, man, this whole time I was just looking at it. Like, this game franchise has possibly gone too far into the setting the standard for what racing games could look like. Yeah, uh, this is one of the things that I knew you and I were going to be, like, uh, uh, like lowballing. Because, like we, like you said, we've talked about Forza uh, and we don't cast. say it in a bad way. Very not important a bad way. distinction. No, no it's, it's just it's, it's it's so low key because we're like, yeah, this is standard for them. This is just this is kind of what they do. Uh, you know, you, 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 if you love steak, you know, you go to the same chef who's just absolutely amazing at it. Soon that 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 special steak doesn't taste special anymore because it's just it's become standard for you. And with and with turn ten, I don't know what we saw. No, it looked great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but it's like, yeah, I can see you guys pulling that off. Like any other studios um, that isn't, uh, uh, I think it was Polyphonics who does the um, Gran Turismo games. I think they're the only other team that I feel like can stand with Turn 10. You know, I think those those two companies, those two uh, developers, you know, when they show stuff, it's like, yeah, we expect that from you too. Like you're, you're, you're two of the best to do it. Uh, but if this came from like, EA or any other studio, you'd be like, damn, you guys pulled that off? That's amazing. And I know that's a backhand compliment, but man, uh, I, I'm actually kind of looking forward to what they said about audio, uh, that they're going so far with audio that each car is going to have its own uh, separate sound, depending on how you raise the tires, have their own separate audio track, um, that they're working in the, the new Windows uh, audio, spatial audio, whatever it's called, and also Dolby Atmos. It's like they're putting so much uh, uh, focus on the details. It's just like, yeah, you're so good at the gameplay. Like this is kind of like all that's left to do. And the point that this is being built from the ground up for Series X and S, I think that's actually how you do a reboot. It's like, hey, we're just going to go back to square one, uh, 20 tracks, including a new one in, uh, that we've never been to before in Africa. Um, we're going to show off the new dirt physics, the new uh, damage physics, uh, the new tracks, ray tracing. I mean, they said 4K 60 frames with ray tracing. That's ridiculous. That's 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 an ambitious target. Uh, and from the way the game is already looking, I don't know if they showed the game with ray tracing on, but man, those reflections and... Just the sense of speed that that game showed, it looks absolutely amazing. And I'm not a big racing car guy, but I actually going to play this new Forza just to see how far they can push this franchise. Yeah, I would say that this is probably the second least notable thing on this showcase. Um, next so to whatever Bethesda uh, 
had to put out, which we'll talk about here in a few. But at the same time, it's what you said, right? It is just the, I do think, and this isn't coming from me being an Xbox player and you being an Xbox player, but it's just from what we see from this franchise. I think Forza is the standard of like how graphically a racing game can look. And I'm not saying it's the best out there. I'm not saying it's the most fun. I'm just saying graphically, that's what it is. And damn, it just seems like they're going to do it again. Just on a technical standpoint, it's just, I don't know. Uh, like, I, like I said, uh, Gran Turismo and Forza, I mean, hey, I like Need for Speed and Midnight Club because I'm more of the unrealistic arcade uh, racer type of guy. How I but, love Mario Kart. If you want to throw yeah, that in Mario Kart, yeah, yeah. But but I can I can honestly sit here and say that Gran Turismo and Forza are two of the best racing games to do it because they focus so much on detail. This is people who are passionate about racing and about cars, and it shows in their product. And you know, I not hey, I'm not gonna knock people for liking it. I'm not gonna be like, yeah, bro, it's try hard. You know, play something fun. No, I can sit here and say, like, yeah, I can understand why these two groups of fans ha- uh, have so much passion and love for these franchises. Because, yeah, Forza is Microsoft's Gran Turismo, all right? And I'm glad that they're putting so much effort into it to continue to give racing fans more of what they want, which is more realistic uh, racing. So, yeah, when it comes down to it, Forza and Gran Turismo, those two... Man, if I, it makes me, both those games make me wish I was big into cars because it looks like so much fun, especially when you talk to uh, Forza fans and Gran Turismo fans. They have so much passion for it. I'm almost jealous. Yeah, I'm with you. And I'm going to kind of go out of order here because you mentioned that, like, pretty much our stance on Forza and this show, part of the showcase, it was like, yeah, awesome if you love the game, awesome if you find it cool. There, for me, at least, with Forza, there was a lot of really cool things in here, legitimately. But it just isn't my thing. And it's you just said yourself, it's not really your thing either. So this is not the podcast for if you want an in-depth look at Forza. And I think you can say the same for the Elder Scrolls Online. So before the main event, uh, quote-unquote there, ZeniMax Online Studios showed off the next chapter of Elder Scrolls Online, Necrom. This update will bring players back to Morrowind and add the game's first new class since 2019. This class is called the Arcanist. The Elder Scrolls Online, Necrom, will release on June 5th, 2023 for those on PC and Mac. It will drop on June 20th, 2023 for console players. For me, this is the least notable thing out of the conference. I know they had I know they had a big presentation for Elder Scrolls Online. I know this game has a big player base. At the same time, if you're looking at what this presentation showed, there's one game that I think six, sticks out like a sore thumb, and it's Elder Scrolls Online. Because this game is not new. To me, there was a little bit of emphasis on the showcase to where we'll talk about the next two games here in a few but also forza this is a built from the ground up for next gen right and also for minecraft legends a new game with an old franchise with elder scrolls online it kind of felt like here's the next chapter in this game that's been out for a long long time feels like forever 
You want to hear more for Elder Scrolls 6? Eh, we don't got it. Starfield, we don't got it. Fallout, we don't got it. I don't know. It just felt like I'm, it didn't really belong in this showcase. And it sucks because they're, this game does have a fan base. Yeah, uh, actually, it's the one that I slightly agree with you on. I do understand why they showed it off here because, like you said, they do have a big fan base. Uh, but I also agree with you that it kind of feel tacked on, like they needed to have something in there because then they end up doing a separate show for it, showing off all the stuff. So it's like, well, why not just have an Elder Scrolls showing? Um, it, but I understand Microsoft wants people to know that they're still supporting like their games. Uh, they bought Bethesda. And, you know, one of the things that you fear is, like, hey, things are going to change for for some of these games. They're going to change the way they operate. And it's good to see that, hey, yeah, we know what we did with Halo is kind of messed up. Everything's going on live service. Uh, Elder Scrolls Online is, 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 what, uh, is what we want for all of our live, uh, live blah, games as a service, uh, live service games. But here's something of actual worth to the players that's still playing ESO. Uh, yeah, it's not much because we're going to do our own separate show afterwards, but we do feel like it's worth announcing, which I agree with. Um, yeah, we don't get anything about Elder Scrolls 6, and we already knew we weren't going to get anything about um, Starfield until later this year. But it's good to know that they still showed enough support to the fans to where it's like, we're going to make this announcement to announce our full reveal yeah it felt like a teaser for a reveal and also before you continue michael i do want to make it kind of clear here yeah we kind of said two weeks ago yeah starfield wasn't gonna be here like we yeah, already knew yeah. that we talked about that as part of the our predictions we knew starfield wasn't an option i when i was saying that i was more so like bethesda has a lot of things that they could be talking about and right. perception wise people are gonna go what about this what about this what about this to all sorts of different games that Bethesda has instead of supporting Elder Scrolls Online, which, again, understand it has a fan base, but the game has been out so fucking long. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was important for Microsoft to show that they were still showing enough support for it to where it's like, we because look at Destiny. Destiny 2 is still going strong because they're still pulling out big, uh, big uh, updates and storylines. But how much longer is the question? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 the. That's how the much idea. longer until Bungie decides to go? You know what? To make things, to make things a lot better, to really revamp things, to really upgrade our engine and everything like that. When do we go to Destiny Three? So I know yeah. Elder Scrolls and Des Elder Scrolls Online Destiny Two. I think they're almost as old as each other. I think it was what twenty sixteen for. Outer Scrolls Online. Yeah, and uh, and they mentioned like we have every uh, every year where we have like annual kind of like new chapter deal. So I think it was important for them to announce that here, uh, since it was a showcase to where a bunch of Bethesda fans would show up. Um, and I think it was smart for them to do the full reveal after the show. Although it'd been kind of cool if we knew kind of like it was like the Elder Scrolls. Uh, a showcase beforehand or kind of like i don't know it, it was it was strange to be like hey tune in after this show to watch another show it's like yeah don't really know if that's that's what made it feel tacked on for me it's like you tease me for a reveal okay that's cool but again uh you and i we're not big into uh, the elder scrolls online 
So for us, it felt kind of tacked on, but I'm sure for people who are a big fan of Elder Scrolls Online and was waiting for the next big reveal, uh, I think this fit for them. Can't argue with that, but what we're going to talk about next was a genuine surprise, and that is Hi-Fi Rush. So after Turn 10 took their turn, pun intended, with Forza Motorsport, it was time for Tango Gameworks. They revealed their new title, Hi-Fi Rush. This is a rhythm action game where players play as Chai, a wannabe rock star who is the victim of an evil corporation's experiment gone wrong. Actually, here's the synopsis from an Xbox Wire post that was released alongside the announcement. Quote, after a diabolical corporation mistakenly fuses a music player to Chai's heart, he is quickly labeled a defect with hordes of corporate drones hell-bent on recalling him. Now armed with the power to feel the beat of the world around him, it's up to Chai to battle through each department of robotic monolith of the robotic monolith to stop their evil schemes with his new rhythmatically enhanced combat skills, end quote. The post goes on to say, quote, Everything in Hi-Fi Rush automatically syncs to the music from swinging your trusty axe to dodging out of the way of an oversized metallic fist. The game isn't locked to the music track, however. Hi-Fi Rush is a rhythm action with an emphasis on action. Players must feel the rhythm to enhance Chai's actions, pulling off heavy beat hits at the end of each combo, like a cymbal crash, or syncing up with one of his allies for a devastating tag team finisher. In Hi-Fi Rush, every battle is an opportunity to play out your own music video fantasy, seamlessly coordinating all your moves with the soundtrack, end quote. Hi-Fi Rush is out on, well, (laughs) it's out now actually. This was a surprise release from Xbox and Tango Gameworks. It is also available on Game Pass. Now, Michael, I know this has probably been said countless times. It was said in their own trailer. I can't believe Tango Gameworks made a game like this, considering their track record with horror games. Yeah, this was like a huge surprise for me, because uh, I didn't know about the leaks of Hi-Fi Rush. You know, I, I used to do things to the grain of salt. I don't really care for those. Uh, I wait to either get a press release or to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. And this was definitely surprised. To be uh, fair, with the leaks, though, it did not... When I was doing research on it, it did not seem like it was picked up across, like, all the major sites. It seemed a little last minute, I would say. Either that or it just really flew underneath the radar. Yeah, yeah, uh, I've I've looked into it, and I think it was as far back as, like, 2021, 2022 is when people were talking about Project Hi-Fi. Um, so like it's well, it wasn't it's, last minute, then. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't last. Minute. The problem is, like, again, like you said, it's Tangle Gameworks. You know, what we what we know for them is horror games, and even with Hi Fi Rush being announced, the next thing we heard about them was Ghostwire Tokyo. So, of course, something like that would definitely fly under the radar because everybody's focused on what was actually announced, what we actually know, and all this other stuff is kind of like okay, it's a side project, whatever. Um, but I was super surprised by seeing this because, oh man, it looks so cool. Uh, I've been on this kick lately to where I am so sick of games being games of service, live service. I'm currently reviewing a game um, that I actually can't do a review on or show it, uh, a short of gameplay until early next month or in a couple weeks. 
Um, and it feels like a game that was made back on the Xbox 360 and PS3 days. And I absolutely love it. It's like, wow, I actually it actually feels like a video game. It doesn't feel like a chore. It doesn't feel like extra work. It feels like a video game that's coming in, having fun, and then going. And Hi-Fi Rush is such a breath of fresh air from all this nonsense. It feels like a game that, again, we were playing, like, on, on Xbox Live Arcade, you know? Like, when they were doing those small smaller games. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of Sunset Overdrive. Now, you I know, haven't played yes. the game, but I'm just saying in terms of the tone of the trailer, in terms of just, I, I don't want to say really even the art style, but there was something that made me reminisce about Sunset Overdrive while watching the trailer and them talk about Hi-Fi Rush. You know, uh, and that's completely understandable because that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking, oh, cool, uh, Microsoft made another um, Sunset Overdrive because now, now that it's owned by Sony, you know, they can't really do that anymore. I uh, can't do a sequel to that. But uh, yeah, I was like, oh, cool. We get another version of this. I'm in. And then they showed it off and it was to the beat of the music and everything moves. Now, I played the game. I played over four hours of the game. I know you haven't got a chance to play it. So I'm just going to go through it real quick. Hi-Fi Rush is so good. I absolutely love this game. Uh, I was streaming it on, on Twitch uh, last night or the night before we recorded this podcast. And... Uh, my uh, my Twitch stream, uh, my chat was enjoying it too. Uh, they were laughing at me because I was missing beats to jump on platforms. I'm so bad at the platforming. Uh, we were enjoying the combat because the combat is it, it's, it's for a game that's rhythm-based. One of my problems with rhythm-based games is that sometimes the developers who make these games don't really seem to have rhythm because nothing really truly matches up. Uh, but with Hi-Fi Rush, even when you mess up, you don't mess up because it's still to the music. And when you do get on the beat, it counts as like a perfect combo or a perfect hit. And if you don't, and if you don't get the perfection, you still get the hit. You know, you still get results. And I think that's what makes Hi-Fi Rush so good is that it doesn't pressure you to be good at the mechanics. If the mechanics are there to enhance the game and to be fun. And so many games forget that nowadays. Hi-Fi Rush is fun. It focuses on fun. The atmosphere is fun. The characters are fun. The music is great. Uh, the platform can use some work, but the overall gameplay mechanic is just flat out fun. And I miss that in video games. And Hi-Fi Rush, Taylor, I think you're going to love it. Uh, I hope we do get to come back to this next week after you got to play it a bit and we really get to go into details about it. Oh, man, it is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I absolutely loved this trailer. I loved the reveal. I loved the surprise. Like something about it just felt I don't want to say genuine, but just No, no, I will say like, genuinely genuine. awesome, I would say for me at least. Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, know. About I, th you. I, th I think it's because we're so spoiled now with everything being leaked and everybody hyping up their games, they be kind of forget what it And felt even like with back, this back being leaked, I had no fucking idea, man. Yeah, and I think that's what made it such a great treat for us is because it felt like the old E3 to where a game would just, like, be announced. And you're like, oh, my goodness, that looks cool. But now, you know, now we're kind of spoiled with that where everything is shown off all the time that you kind of just get desensitized by. And you're just like, oh, cool. Okay, cool. It's another game. It's been such a long time since a game actually got me excited to where I was like, I can't wait for this to come out. And they're like, it's coming out today. Bro, I was refreshing my Xbox pc launcher over and over again waiting for this game to pop up so i can get it and 
I can't remember the last time I was excited when I was refreshing the store just so I can pick up a game. It's been so long, and Hi-Fi Rush lives up to that for me. There was something you said, too, and they said this in the reveal when they were going through in-depth of what the game is. The thing that I really think I'm going to like about it is the rhythm part, the where it's not like a punishing thing to where you got to get it right or you're just shit out of luck. It does feel like it's supposed to be there just to add on to the experience, not be the entire experience. Which I I agree with you 100% when you were talking about like a lot of games, they do the latter and it ends up ruining the game because they don't do that mechanic correctly. So yeah. I'm I don't think that this game is going to fail in that regard from what you told me from what the showcase showed. I'm really excited for it, man. I'm not a big anime guy either. Like there's some anime aspects in here and even me going like, oh dude, this is just it seems fun. Like I just that's the only word I can keep coming up with. And it's what you kept saying. Like it just looks fun. And you're gonna have a real kick out of the animation. Uh that's one of the things that my chat was saying. Uh, somebody in my chat didn't even know the game was was out. They just they were watching it like, oh, this looks really fun. I love the animation. It is so expressive. Uh, the animation is so energetic that it does feel like an anime, um, but it does it so well that even if you don't like anime, like it doesn't do that whole like full blown anime thing to where everybody's like eyes just turn bright white and you know they get the gloom sounds and stuff. It looks it feels more like a Western cartoon mixed with an anime. Like it does a great job blending both to where it doesn't feel polarizing for somebody like you who doesn't who's not really in, big into anime. Um, it does this thing to where it feels like it is influenced by Western animation, but it's still Japanese animation at the same time. Please correct me if I'm works. wrong, but Teen Titans back in the day, I believe, did something very similar to that. Very similar, but they went, but they did when they went with like their uh, overblown expression. They did go full blown anime with it, and like that kind of put some people off. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush doesn't do that. It keeps it human and cartoony at the same time. Even the cat 808, she turns into like this little ball thing, but it's for a purpose. And not, it's not just to look cute. It's actually part of the game mechanic. And it and they do it so well and it's integrated so well that it's just, it all fits. It, everything feels like it was meticulously planned out to make everything fun. It wasn't there just to pulls a challenge even though you can up the challenge on there to where it's, it goes from easy to where it's so forgiving that the timing matters not to very hard to where if you do like the idea of the rhythm base being the challenge you can you can do that there's a streamer mode to where it takes out the eight licensed music tracks and just replace it with uh tangles own original track which i highly recommend because their music alone is actually pretty awesome uh, they got music from Nine Inch Nails and the Black Keys and a couple other bands. And I guess that's pretty cool. But I played the game in streamer mode and it doesn't feel like it changes much, to be honest. Like, I don't I don't understand why they felt the need to put in licensed music. Uh, their music alone. Well, it does probably awesome. enhance the gameplay a bit. But what you're kind of saying is it sometimes when you play games and there's supposed to be licensed music, but you have streamer mode on, it'll kind of take away from that a bit for oh, you goodness, it doesn't it does. do that do you no not here here is just as good if not better because i like uh the music that they put in here and it's just 
Man, I, you know, I, there's not much I can say. It's just so fun. I was smiling and having fun the whole time from the press of the start button. You keep saying one word about it, by the way, which is just great. It's it, yeah. You are somebody who reviews things as I well I... <laughs> over at Bago Games. You go yeah. in in-depth like, okay, here's how the gameplay is. Here's the intricacies of the gameplay mechanics. And with this game, the only thing you can keep coming back to is it's fun, which I find it's absolutely so hilarious of a glowing <laughs> review. Um, yeah. <laughs> you ready to get into our main event? Yes, that, that... Let's move on to our next topic. All right. So Arcane Austin closed out the Xbox Bethesda Developer Direct with a new look at Redfall, which, along with Starfield, appears to be Xbox's two big releases in 2023. But we still didn't have a firm release date for the upcoming Arcane title until now. The studio showed off more gameplay and how the missions will work in the game. They also revealed a release date. Redfall will be releasing on May 2nd via Xbox Series X slash S, Windows PC, and on Game Pass console and PC. Now, Michael, my thoughts on this is this game looks a lot like Far Cry. That's not even a shot. It's gonna. F- I think that sounded like it was a shot. It's not. However, there are some things I think Far Cry does that's outdated, that this game might be a bit outdated. We'll see whenever we get our hands on it. Overall, though, it still looks pretty fun. My only, like, actual legit concern is they showed quite a few times when you're going to pick up a weapon, some rarity. And what, like, it was something, I don't know if we said this on air or off air, when we were talking about, like, looter shooters, and, like, if you were going to tack on something like that, most of the time, nine times out nine times out of ten, it's not gonna work. You gotta actually integrate it into your game and make it part of the game and have a reason for it to be part of the game, like a destiny or division. So I don't know how this is gonna work with Redfall. They didn't really fully go into that, so I don't know. Other than that though, man, I like the environmental storytelling that they were doing. It felt very left for dead like to me. Um I'm still not a hundred percent on the characters as well, but we'll see. The open world seems pretty cool. We'll see how well the landmarks are. I think that's what's going to make or break the open world is how memorable the environment is. So, But based on the snippets they've showed, especially with some of the storytelling they've done with it, it looks pretty damn good, man. Yeah, I'm excited for this. I'm so excited. I know I've talked about this before, how Redfall was like the game I was looking forward to when it came out from Bethesda. Uh, I love Arcane Studio stuff. Um Man, I get what you're saying, but from what they've shown, I think the looter shooter part might actually fit with the game. Because uh, they talked about the end game. Like once you finish the game, there's still stuff you can do. Uh, you can you can bust up vampire nests and face the vampire gods. So I was like, okay, I get it. Um, yeah, they they want to do more like a looter thing. So I get why it's, it's less. Um, uh, what would they say? Well, it was it was le- less uh, left for dead. And more Far Cry, I kind of get it because they do have that sense of freedom to where you can uh, jump up and get on the roof and and snipe some uh, vampires. Uh, you can go through buildings, you know, you can run and hide. Uh, you and your friends can split up and kind of like do an ambush kind of deal, which you couldn't do in Left 4 Dead. It was more of an arena kind of deal. I'm ready for this. I really want Deadfall. Uh, Deadfall. I really want Redfall to uh, to succeed. You don't want Redfall to be Deadfall come May 2nd. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. I don't I don't I don't want that at all because I do like what they're doing with it, that the characters all have their separate abilities to where you can play solo. And I do like that they showed that in this one. Instead of showing all co-op, they did show that missions are possible by yourself. No AI companion to get in your way, uh, to get stuck. Because that's one of the problems I had with uh, Left 4 Dead. You know, the AI was so wonky that sometimes you couldn't advance because they would get stuck in stuff and you couldn't leave without them or some crap. I forget what it was, but I've always hated the AI and Left 4 Dead. Uh, but for this one, you can go it alone. It can just be a one-man mission. Um, and I'm glad they really show that off to where you can go against the new enemy they show called the Shroud. And, you know, they have Vampire Nest that you and friends can all do co-op on. So it's like a, a light raid kind of deal to where you can do a dungeon run and go off against um, multiple versions of vampires until you reach the in-game boss. And I really like that you fight the nest, and then you get a mini boss. You kill the mini boss, you collect their skulls to unlock the big boss, which they call the vampire gods with an S. So I'm kind of interested in how that's going to work out. Uh, as for the looter shooter aspect with rarities, if that's going to be a thing, I want it to be more of a Borderlands kind of deal. That's the one thing I do love about Borderlands. You got to uh, do it right, they, Michael. Games yeah. like this, whenever you show things and people are interested, how many times have we talked about it games where it's like, oh man, I'm interested. The story looks in pretty cool. We'll see about the characters. And then all of a sudden, they introduce some kind of looter aspect. And it could either make or break a game. Yeah, and for me, that's what broke me with the Division. That rarity crap got so annoying because every aspect of your gear... And that's a game that gloves. does it, in my opinion, correctly, by the way. Really? For me, it's for me, it's Borderlands. Because mm -hmm. uh, Borderlands, for me, it, it actually felt like they did something with it. It's like, okay, your rarity of your scope, it can zoom in. It can't because it's made by a certain company. And it's like, okay, that's really cool. Uh, this gun can fire acid, but in order for it to do that, you know, the damage for this goes down. But for this weapon, because they're using light beams or whatever, the damage is higher, but the uh, reload is lower and blah, 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 blah. That kind of stuff, I really enjoy. What I don't like is, like, again, with uh, with um, the vision. Yeah, you picked up an AK-47, but this AK-47, despite the point that it has the same specs, the same uh, magazine, uh, the same... Uh, types of bullets it does 0.35 more damage why oh because this one's red and not blue oh okay that's really that's really dumb and when i'm going through my inventory i'm not looking at red and blue i'm looking at the numbers you want more tangible evidence that you're gonna get better and less looking at numbers yeah i wanted to actually show off that hey because it's made of this brand or because it looks this way I should be able to look at the weapon and tell that, okay, it has a bayonet on it. That means the melee damage is going to be higher because it has a bayonet. If it's red, it's because it fires red uh, red beams or whatever. And like, you know, yada, yada, yada. I, I, I want to be able to tell at the look of the weapon if it's something that I want to play. And that's what I like about Borderlands. You can look at the weapon and, yeah, they show you the numbers. But I know certain things that I want. The explosive rounds, the fire rounds, uh, certain companies, the scope, that kind of stuff. I love, I like that. Okay, let me do that. And I hope Redfall goes that what goes more towards Borderland and less towards like like um division for me personally. Yeah, I get you. I get where you're coming from. And at the same time, man, I I just 
I feel like that, along with how exactly is this going to be compared to Far Cry, it's going to be contingent on what this game's reception is going to be. Because there's a few things that Far Cry does these days that I think people are getting a little tired of. I think the old Ubisoft-ism of going out to a tower to <laughs> get some other parts of the open world and go to another tower to do the same thing and you just got to repeat the process. I think people are really tired of that system. Yeah. I'm going to be very curious to see how exactly this game handles, how you unlock, how you see the open world on the map. And how you interact with these characters. Are they going to be cardboard cutouts? Or are they going to be actually entertaining? I'm not asking for, going back to our episode last week, talking about The Last of Us. I'm not asking for a Joel and Ellie kind of experience here to where they're just in-depth characters that you're just so emotionally invested in. For a game like this, you're just wanting entertainment, you know? They keep you invested in the characters. So... We'll see. I'm not 100% into it, but man, I do think it looks pretty darn good. Yeah, and I gotta wait so long. I gotta wait until May. And oh man, I was really hoping it'd be a little sooner than that. I agree. Uh, But Redfall looks pretty darn good. And you know what else is pretty darn good? What's that? Our other podcast at TNS Network, Nerds Talk Movies. On that show, our team takes a closer look at various movies and TV shows via retrospectives and, for newly released content, spoiler talks. On the latest episode of Nerds Talk Movies, we talked about Suicide Squad 2016. Um, It was about an hour of the entire team just crapping all over this very terrible movie. I kind of feel bad, though, because this is probably the first episode where we didn't get into our final thoughts on, because, um, Michael, I'm telling you this for the first time, I think we might have broke Tristan and Drew, especially Tristan. How'd that come about? Uh, let's just say there might have been a breakdown of sorts at the end of the episode, and it was just tired of watching this terrible movie and tired of DC and him being a DC fan and that just breaking his heart over and over again. It just, I think it really hit him. And I will say, I told him this on air and off air that I'm sorry as a friend that that happened to him. But as a content creator, I was very excited because it was great content, but overall it was a great episode, man. I think sometimes look, we, we want movies to be good. We want TV shows to be good. Sometimes when a bad movie is on though, you just need to let it out. You need to let out your thoughts on why you think this movie was so bad. And we got a chance to do that in that episode. And on the upcoming episode of Nerds Top Movies, we will be talking about Wonder Woman 2017, which thankfully is so much better. So much fucking better. <laughs> and it's not even close. So be on the lookout for that in the coming days. New episodes of Nerds Top Movies are posted every Monday night. Now, getting into our other stories of the week. What is the future of the Halo franchise, Michael? Last week, we talked about the layoffs over at Microsoft. As we said then, employees across the company were laid off, including those at Bethesda, the Coalition, and 343 Industries. Rumors then began to swirl regarding 343's future involvement with the Halo franchise. 343 would respond to these rumors with the following statement. Quote, 
Halo and Master Chief are here to stay. 343 Industries will continue to develop Halo now and in the future, including epic stories, multiplayer, and more of what makes Halo great, end quote. According to IGN, quote, significant cuts have been made to 343's Halo's development team, end quote. A former 343 employee estimated to IGN that about a quarter of 343's dev team was impacted. IGN also had this to say, quote, and we're reading this directly from the article. Meanwhile, at least one senior level source with knowledge of 343's internal workings, but who is no longer with the studio, has claimed to IGN that it is being reduced to a publishing team. However, based on conversations that IGN has had with knowledgeable sources, the situation at 343 appears to be ongoing, and there is a growing, if unconfirmed, conviction that 343 will no longer be Halo's sole developer when it is settled. End quote. As we said last week, we hope everyone affected by the layoffs at Microsoft bounces back as quickly as possible. But here's my question for you this week, Michael. And it's a question I briefly brought up to you last week, too. Do you think 343 Industries will be the developer of Halo going forward? I think they'll be developers on certain things, different the multiplayer side of things, because I always give them praise for the gunplay. Um, the gameplay mechanics in Halo, and even in Halo Infinite, is absolutely amazing. Uh, it just works. I don't know what 343 is doing, but somehow they managed to improve uh, Halo as a shooter uh, from even what Bungie has done and it's been great the stuff the decisions they've made beyond that in my opinion hasn't really been the best especially story wise uh, I've always criticized the uh, Reclaimer saga and how they keep changing their own rules not their own rules but their own uh, lore for some reason uh, they keep they, they brought back the Spartan program they took it away they added in Spartan teams and they took it away. Uh, Chief was held a hero, now he's a criminal. Uh, it did seem like it was a little bit of a Rise of Skywalker situation this entire time <laughs> to where 343 would be, oh, people aren't liking this, let's change it. People change, are liking yeah. this, let's yeah. continue. And it just it felt like they were a little bit less on we're making our story and hopefully people are buy-in by the end. And more yeah. so, like, oh, people aren't liking this. We got to radically change it so people yeah. do enjoy our story. And that's very rarely, I think, works. Yeah, I can't think of a moment where it where it does work. And you know, uh, yeah, I've been very critical on the uh, Spartan on uh, Spartan Saga, on the Reclaimer Saga because of that, because of all of their backtracking and retconning and the nonsense and leaving important beats out. And putting them in the books and the comics, which, hey man, that crap gets expensive, all right? Uh, I I tried getting the Halo books, I tried collecting the comics, but it, it, got, to, it got to the point where I was like, you know, I used to just spend $50, $60 and I get the story in the game. Now I got to spend $56 to get part of the story in the game and then spend 10 to 20 bucks for the books and the comics to get the rest of the story to lead up to the next game. And it just became a chore. Um, so yeah, I kind of like fell out of what they were doing with the Reclaimer Saga, but with that, I do think, to go back to your original question, uh, I do think 343 will continue to develop Halo, but not into a sense that they've been doing now. I do think that Microsoft is going to pull a uh, Activision Blizzard to where it's not just 343 
making Halo. It's 343 plus other studios. And those other studios are going to get a chance to make like a Halo ODST type of game with 343 uh, helping out, uh, teaching developers how they do things with Halo, how they get the gameplay down uh, so well and the lore and this and that and to advise. So I think that 343 become not the sole developer, but more of the main developer who also helps and support the smaller ones who are going to also make uh, Halo content. I think that could be on the table. I could see just another team taking over Halo and this being whenever 343 is talking about now and in the future, them talking about Halo Infinite specifically. Um, it's just with the layoffs, I think a lot of people started, people are already looking at 343 and Halo and saying if this relationship was going to last because of everything with Halo Infinite. I don't know what the future holds for 343. Again, I hope everybody who was affected by the layoffs are able to bounce back, get on their feet as quickly as possible. When it comes to the Halo franchise, I do think it will be another developer the next time we get a full-fledged Halo game. Just my gut feeling. I'm not saying 343. You've been critical of 343, not in terms of, again, you said this last week. You've always been critical of just the games they've made, not ever advocating for somebody to lose their job, all that stuff. I want to make that very clear with your criticism there. With me, I feel like I've been a little bit more lenient. I would say a little, I would actually say a little more fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and especially Riley, you two have been uh, a lot more fair towards 343 than I have. I kind of like Halo 5 story. I know. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> but at the same time, I, it was way too short. That was the main thing for me. But at the same time, it's hard not to see some of the flaws in the 343 iteration of the Halo franchise, especially compared to Bungie. Now, maybe as this is coming from it, me, or at least for me, me looking at it like, okay, Halo back in the day, the Bungie games, nostalgia, all that stuff. But I don't know, man. I don't know what the future holds. I just think it's going to be another developer. Yeah, and just and, and just so everybody knows, the, the original Halo trilogy, it wasn't without its flaws, okay? Uh, we're not going to sit here and be like, boy, Bungie would have fixed this. This would have been perfect. It has flaws. Halo 3 had such a flaw, uh, most because of the marketing uh, the marketing overhyped Halo 3 itself because of certain story beats. I'm not going to go into that. Um, but also, Halo 2, one of the biggest things about Halo 2 was that we're going to Earth. We're going to protect Earth. We're going to Africa and New Mumbai. And, you know, you're going to fight there. And you're going to see uh, Earth cities. You're going to fight within the cities. Like, oh, shit, that's going to be great. And we got, like, a couple levels of it. And then we're back doing something that's like, oh, wait, what? That, that was, like, the big thing of Halo 2 was, like, how important this whole thing was that was going to lead into three and so to finish the fight and it didn't really work out that way due to time constraints uh bungie has admitted that multiple times like we wanted to do more with new mumbai but we couldn't uh because we ran out of time and then halo 3 odsd came out and we got the whole battle in new mumbai and it's like oh wow this is really cool and even cooler, we had it in the uh, original <laughs> in the original Halo game. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Bungie was perfect, all right? They've, they've missed beats, and they've had disappointments, too. So moving on to our next topic, we actually have two stories left. I forgot we're going to go, we're going to kind of go back to our main topic a bit, because I forgot to ask you something about the Xbox Bethesda developer Direct. 
not, we're not going to take too much time on this either because we again we still have another story to get into and I don't want this to be a super long podcast. So just in a few sentences, give me your overall impressions on the Xbox Bethesda Developer Direct. Go. Uh it's a good thing I kept my expectations reasonable because while it did feel like a that's it kind of showcase, I do actually appreciate that they did come in, show off a new IP, uh, was very transparent with what they're planning with some of their games. Uh, Forza Motorsport showing stuff off, uh, Tango showing off their game. We get a good solo uh, look at Redfall. Uh, Minecraft Legends was actually a pretty cool surprise. Overall, I think it was a, I think it was a good showing. Uh, it, it wasn't this spectacular thing. I, you and I talked about it before to where we felt like this was the make or break for Microsoft. It kind of felt like the middle ground to where it's like, okay, they're still... We didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we thought it was one or the other. But for this, it kind of like calmed the storm for me. It was like, okay, you got something coming. Hi-Fi Rush, you know, really won me over. Uh, I got a good look at Redfall. We already knew we weren't getting Starfield. Um, I wasn't expecting to see a whole lot but five games i was like that's kind of disappointing but it was a good showing it was focused it was to the point it wasn't a whole bunch of phil spencer making promises or saying here at xbox we're here for the gamers yada 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 it was developers talking about their games and showing their games and being proud of their games i like that i enjoy that so if we're going to keep doing this do that no phil spencer no pr nonsense i mean it's all pr but let the developers show their games let them talk about it let them do uh some of those cool in-depth videos that we see on youtube anyway let them show their games that they're proud of and that they know works and that they're ready to show off don't force it don't do any stupid little pre-rendered cgi teaser what they did here at this show i found to be enjoyable and honestly passable to where i do feel like they have more coming later this year uh they just showed off Five games that's coming early this year that's cool okay we got something coming up in june may okay i'm ready let's go so i i fairly enjoyed the showing yeah i'm with you man i think this was a really solid showing there was nothing spectacular here mind you even though we enjoyed most if not all of the showcase what i loved the most this is going to sound lame as hell. I'm sorry. But what I loved the most is how focused it was. It was a short, to me, 45 minutes. We didn't have really much fluff here. We heard from the developers themselves. They went into what exactly this game's going to have, what the features that they want to show off are. Give me like a good few minutes of what the game looks like all of that i'm into like that kind of stuff i'm just totally on board with that's what i want to see out of a showcase so from that standpoint loved it again the main thing that kind of kept it from being a really damn good showcase to me is the lack of stellar games or most anticipated games i think that's the more appropriate thing to say starfield wasn't there which again we all knew coming in Redfall we got, which was good, but there was still a lot of games that we know Xbox has on their slate that we have not seen yet. So I'm curious on what the state of that is. But overall, you kind of said it, right? Like, we thought it was going to be a make or break kind of showcase for Xbox, and it somehow landed in the middle. That sounds like a cop-out to say, 
but truly that is how I feel about it. Like it does somehow, like I did not know it was an option to do that. And I was like, well, you didn't fully get me invested into what you got this year, Xbox. But there's a few things I loved. Minecraft Legends, right? That looked great. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush, I cannot wait to play that. I'm going to play that as soon as we're done with this podcast. Redfall, very excited for that, even though I am a little bit concerned about it at the same time. And even Forza, I'm going to download Forza when it comes out. I don't know how much I'll play it, but I'll download it because, (laughs) you know, we talked about how Forza kind of sets the standard for visuals and racing games. And I kind of just want to see how exactly that's going to be. So, I don't know, man. This is a solid showcase. Hopefully they do this more often in the future and we get more directs every few months. That'd be awesome. Yeah, if they do this two times a year where they show the first uh, the first half of the year and then the second half of the year, I would be completely okay with that. So, yeah, I'm with you. I Yeah, this was a, this was a decent showing. All right, moving on to our final story of the day. Crystal Dynamics is ending development on Marvel's Avengers. The final update for the game will take place on March 31st. This will include balancing updates and taking down the cosmetic store. As a result, all of the game's cosmetics will be free on March 31st. If players have credits in their accounts, they will be converted into in-game resources. In September, the game will be delisted from digital stores, and Crystal Dynamics will officially end support for the game. It will still be playable through single-player and online. Michael, let's take a five-second moment of awkward silence from Marvel's Avengers, starting now. For real though, man, how are you, like, what are your thoughts on this game, getting delisted? I am disappointed in Marvel's Avengers. I was disappointed forever uh, when I found out it was going to be a game of service. I was like, okay, so we're not going to do uh, the thing to where you get a bunch of the Avengers or Marvel characters at once. Okay, fine, whatever. Yeah, you're going by the MCU because that's what the general audience is familiar with. Okay, fine. And then you find out the kind of villains they're going to have in there. Uh, there's no Fantastic Four. There's no Doom. Uh, there's no Thanos, you know, there's, there's no Loki, like, you have Thorne, there but no Loki, like, what, 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 there's no Loki story, there's no Thanos story, there's no Doom story, uh, there's, there's, there's nothing here, except, oh, we have AIM, okay, cool, so you're gonna introduce some of the other villains, other villains, uh, we have MODOK, sweet, so is Mordok going to be like a main villain? Oh, well, you know, it's going to be an ongoing story for years and years, which you end up spending spending those years just fixing bugs and backtracking on your promises of no microtrans- uh, no uh, predatory microtransactions and the battle pass. To kind of take your thunder here and go into, I don't want to say a rant, but just why this game, I think, failed so much, is they did spend a lot of time backtracking and trying to I guess, fix the issues this game had when it launched. Yeah, it really felt like they spent so much time trying to fix the game and backtracking because people were grinding the game to the point to where they were exp- they were getting experience way too fast. And, you know, it was really super... And also what what really hurt it was they tried that, that loot crap uh, you and I were just talking about, how terrible they integrated that into the game. Yep. To where it was like, oh, you need to transform this and 
augment that and yada yada yada. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. I just You don't have an attachment to it. That's the thing. Yeah. Like you don't have an attachment to the loot you get because it doesn't feel like it does anything outside of yeah. numbers. And even with the division, at least you have the gear. Like you can see the gear on your person, you can see the gun. <laughs> yeah. Right? With Marvel yeah. Marvel's Avengers, you didn't have any of that. And instead they had a cosmetic store. It is unfortunate, though, because, again, you could see the potential in Marvel's Avengers. And even with the looter aspect, I think you can still make it work. In this game, it felt like at every opportunity, it made the wrong decision. So, I'm not even saying it wasn't fun at times. Again, I love the single player. I thought that some aspects of the multiplayer were interesting. I liked a lot of the skill trees. But... The gear, it didn't work. I don't like the cosmetic store to where they just overpriced the shit out of everything. And I don't know. It just, it gave the wrong impression, for one. And two, whenever it came to releasing new content and making the end game, no pun intended, worthwhile, I don't think the game managed to do it. And honestly, I also don't really forgive this game for kind of screwing over Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a year or two later. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, see, I didn't reach enough of uh, Marvel Avengers to talk about the in-game stuff and all that because I got so turned off with the horrendously long load times. Uh, just do the same thing over and over again to where it felt like a chore to play. And when you make Hulk feel weak, like, man, you can go back on the PS2 and original Xbox days. There was a Hulk game. Oh, I forgot what it was called. Where he was, was the open world and Hulk was able to just run around and smashing stuff. He felt so powerful in that game. And then you played this and it felt like your baby tapping everything with Hulk. And it was just super ridiculous. I, oh, this game, like you said, has so much potential and they wasted it just so they can have a grind fest looter with microtransaction and battle passes because, hey, we want your $60, but we also want free to play elements. Which, it does not work in this game. Definitely agree. But, let's go ahead and move on. Now, Michael, let's get out of here, man. What are you playing? I am playing Hi-Fi Rush. Oh, my goodness. It is so amazing. I'm also uh, reviewing another game that I can't talk about just yet. But, I will say I'm also having fun with that. Because, it does feel like an old school PS3 60 uh game that you used to, that we would have gotten a long time ago if everybody stopped doing all of this live service nonsense but i will talk about that in a different episode what about you Ted? what are you playing buddy i am not playing all too much been playing a little bit of for honor i'm going to be playing hi-fi rush whenever we get done with this recording so i'm excited yeah. for that man cannot wait uh, other than that, I told people, I told you, like I was going to give some non-spoiler reviews for The Last of Us, since I haven't been playing too much, probably won't be. Uh, so I'll kind of use this as a what are we watching thing too, as a video game adaptation. Dude, The Last of Us is still great. Episode 2 was amazing. I hope that it continues to be as good as it is right now. I'm very excited. I love the way that they're just going into the details of the outbreak. I love how they're really going into just adapting the game in a way that still feels faithful to the game, but just a bit different to keep 
people who played the game guessing. There was a thing at the end of the episode that happened that was different from the game. But actually, I think I enjoyed it more. It was a a main, it was a very serious moment, but I think I enjoyed it in the TV show more because of the context they put into it. So overall, man, I'm loving the show, and I hope it continues to be awesome. I have to watch episode two. I haven't watched episode two yet. Uh, I got to get to that. So Taylor, what are you working on, and where can we find you? Not working on too much. You can find me in our Discord server, the link for which is in the description of this episode. Sweet. As for me, I, you can also find me on the Discord as well. But you can also find me on Twitter at M underscore M-O-S-L-A-Y underscore J-R. If you find a weirdo on a Fox hoodie, congratulations, you're in the right place. And if you want to see more stuff from me, uh, I am, of course, playing High Drive Rush on stream. Find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash foxdaddy. That's F-0-X-D-A-D-D-Y. Also... If you can leave us a rating, that would be magnificent. The higher, the better. We will accept fours, but we think we're good enough for a five. What do you think, Taylor? We're good for fives, right? I don't accept the three. He said, <laughs> Come on, man, don't blow balls like that. It's respectable. That. <laughs> it's respectable. All right. All right, sure. Oh, man. Thank you, Taylor, for not only putting together our shows every week, but also joining me. I know you're a busy man, so it's always great to be able to hang out and speak to you for a while. And thanks to everyone for listening in, whether this is your first time or your 600th. We truly appreciate you taking the time to listen to us ramble on about nonsense. And we will be back next week with a brand new episode talking about some more gaming news.